0: at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson.
1: Many people are frustrated with their life. And many times they ask the question, what is the meaning of life? Well, I can answer that very briefly, to worship God. Any day that you worship God in spirit and truth, according to the revelation of his word in order to bring honor and glory and praise to him that is a successful day you need to realize that there is an enemy that is against you worshiping god and we're going to be looking at a psalm in this study that speaks about those that are against jerusalem the temple the people of god and the worship Of the God of Israel. Take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Psalms and Psalm 74. The book of Psalms and Psalm 74. Now, this psalm is very clear. Even though there's an enemy, that enemy will not be victorious. Even though at times we will see that that enemy apparently gets an upper hand, he brings about destruction. He hinders God from being worshipped by his people, but he will not be triumphant. He is going to be defeated. And we have that righteous king that is going to triumphant. And because he has already been victorious through the resurrection, even though the enemy has been defeated, he has not yet been disposed of. But his defeat is certain our triumph is also certain. Therefore we need to behave with that understanding. Look with me, as I said, to the book of Psalms, Psalm 74, and we're going to have, look at the first verse. It says, Maskil le asaf. Now that word maskil means to make one wise or to give understanding. And there's been a several Different examples of psalms that meet this criteria, this category of a maskil, a psalm that gives us understanding. The author of this psalm, as in the previous one, was a man by the name of Asaph. And this is what he writes, second part of verse 1, why, O God, have you abandoned forever? Now, that's the perspective that that this psalmist has, that God has abandoned, that he has neglected his people, and that this has gone on for a significant period of time, and it's as though that it's going to continue. He doesn't see through human eyes a change that's coming. But here's the good news. Through prophetic truth, we can be assured that there is a change coming that there's going to be a triumphant for the people of god so even though he says why oh god have you abandoned forever and your anger now the people they are experiencing god's anger and it says your anger it will go up and the word here for going up means the rising up of smoke And this anger and this smoke that represents God's anger, his displeasure, it says it is against the sheep of your pastor. Obviously, a reference to the children of Israel. Now, we're going to see in this psalm that there are numerous attacks against the people of God, against the city of God, and against the temple of God. And all of this is about one thing. The enemy does not want God to be worshipped. And I cannot overestimate this simple truth. When you worship God faithfully, obediently to the word of, of his revelation, scripture, when you do that in a day, that day is successful. It doesn't matter what else is going on in your life. If you are faithful to worship God in a way that's pleasing to him, in a way that manifests his glory, that gives him honor and praise, that is success. And when you do that, you're going to be amazed to find how God will begin to order your life. The enemy hates worship, but, but the people of God love to worship him move on to the next verse verse two the psalmist asaf is making a petition he says remember and the implication is remember oh god that's who he is addressing in this psalm remember your congregation you purchase before now this is talking about the fact that there is a congregation of the lord and that he has purchased this word as we'll see in a moment is a redemptive word this purchasing god has paid the price in order that his people belong to him and we see why say redemption that context you have redeemed the tribe of your inheritance now even though we know that there's 12 tribes. Sometimes that word Shevet is simply used for the tribe referring to the people of God, those who are those descendants of Yaakov of Jacob, those who have a covenantal relationship with him. So you have redeemed the tribe of your inheritance and notice this inheritance comes within a very important context. The inheritance is possible through redemption and redemption brings about a kingdom experience. Keep reading, it says, Harseon, that is Mount Zion, you have dwelled in it. Now, Mount Zion is a kingdom term and it simply speaks about God who dwells in Mount Zion, that he is a kingdom God. And we're going to see that one of the ways that God is referred to here is as king. Verse 3. The psalmist, Asaph, he wants action. He doesn't want this continuing abandonment. He doesn't want the enemy to to be experiencing uh, short-term victory. He wants God to rise up and bring about that change for his people. And that's why he says, look at verse three, raise up your, and this is word for step. Many Bibles will say your feet, understanding the significance of that word, raise up and we'll translate it that way, your feet for what purpose? So that there will not be eternal destruction. Now, what he's saying here is God, lift up your feet, move in order to to come against what he's concerned about. And this is this long-going destruction that the people of God are experiencing. Attack not only against the people of God, but also the habitation of the people of God. He says in the second part of verse 3, All the evil which the enemy does so all this making of evil by means of the enemy against and it has that holy place now some will translate it sanctuary which is fine but it's a reference to the holy place more than likely a reference to the temple and what we see very clearly is in history and even in our days there's no temple and this signifies that we are experiencing a spiritual, spiritual exile. That things are not according to God's order. He is going to bring things into his order, but right now, there's that still experience of exile among the people of God. Both a physical and a spiritual exile. Verse 4. Your enemies, what do they do? They roar in the midst of your and this would be appointed places it's speaking about those things that relate to the faithfulness of god in israel's history we see for example today there is a tomb in shamron spoken of as the tomb of joseph and we see so frequently the muslims they want to destroy this tomb They do not want and they move frequently against to try to erase anything that relates to the children of Israel and their history with God. They don't want that. Well, the problem is this. They don't want the revelation of God's faithfulness, God's activity in the past. So they move to erase it. So it says, your enemies, they roar, and this is a word for for the roaring like a lion, they roar in the midst of your appointed places and they set involves a change they set their banners that is the same word for signs they set their signs or banners for for signs meaning this they want to replace anything that god did something for the children of israel they want to replace that with their religion their views those things that are pleasing to them those things that that want to defy the truth and the truth i'm speaking about how god has moved in human history they don't want the truth of god's faithfulness to his word as he expressed it to humanity they don't like that they move against that and in that same vein it says now in verse five It will be known, or has been made known, as one who brings something up. Now, what this is is simply referring to one who wants to bring something up, reveal it. And what is that? Well, as I said, they are against the worship of the God of Israel. So, what do they do? Well, look at the second part of verse five. In the the thicket of a tree. They bring their axes. Now, what are they speaking about here? Well, this thicket of of a tree, they bring their axes. They want to destroy something. And that is, they do not like, and this word thicket is related to, many people believe, this, this offering of Isaac, where there's that ram caught in the thicket with his horn. They want to destroy that place. Now, where is it? Well, that place where Isaac was offered up at, it was on Har Moriah, Mount Moriah, which is the Temple Mount. They don't want anything that gives reference to what God did with Isaac and the fact that there is a call for God's name, the name of the God of Israel, to dwell in this place. They come with an ax to destroy it. And it goes further than that. Look now to verse 6. And it says, and now it's engraving. Now, this word can mean engraving, but it's also related to development. And it says they are against its development altogether. They don't want anything that points true the faithfulness of God in history. And therefore, it says with And probably the best way to translate this word, kashil, is a sledgehammer. And then the next word is the word, lafot." This is another word for, for axes. So with sledgehammer and axes, what do they do? They strike this location. They want to destroy those things that are related to God's history among his people the faithfulness of God, what he has done in the past. Why? Because they don't want a faithful God of Israel. They want to destroy anything that points to the one true God. Why? Because they are about deception. Secondly, it says in verse verse 7, they send forth fire against your sanctuary and to the ground now what do they want to do burn the temple of God to the ground in order that they can profane the tabernacle of your name now it's interesting this term the tabernacle to your name it's significant because we know that name is related to character and they don't want that character What we're supposed to to live like, be like, we're called to walk in the character of the living God, his righteousness, his holiness, his truth. We're supposed to reflect that. That is a major part of worship and the enemy is against that. Why? When we behave according to the character of God, that simply means we obey his word what's the outcome of that righteousness which manifests god's glory and the enemy hates god to be glorified this is the spiritual battle that's going on so what do they want to do look carefully where it says here they want to burn to the ground your sanctuary O god and they want to profane the tabernacle of your name verse eight They say in their heart let us destroy all together they burn all the appointed places of of the god of god in the land here again they're against all of these things that relate to god's faithfulness what god has done in the past because where god has moved in the past these things reveal his character his attributes how God behaves and through what God has done these great acts of God they are the basis of worship we we remember what God has done in the past now there's two reasons to worship God first and foremost who he is he is the one true God he is holy he is righteous he is good he is perfect he is just all of these things demand that we worship him but in addition to him being perfect and worthy of worship because of who he is there's an additional there's a second reason and that's not only because of who he is but because of what he has done and therefore they are against any memory of God's faithfulness to his people in the past so they want to burn up all the appointed places of god in in this world and it says here end of or beginning of verse 9 where it says and our signs we have not seen and what it means here is there is a time where it seems as though god is so distant that god is not active among the people and what they're saying here in verse 9 is our signs, that is the evidence that, that you are among us, God, we, we have not seen. And there's no longer, look at the second part of verse 9, en od navi, there's no longer a prophet and there's not with us one who knows how long, meaning there's no revelation from anyone about when this change is coming when God is going to move, when there's going to be a restoration. Now, a verse of scripture that comes into my mind is is Acts chapter 1, where the disciples are speaking to Messiah, and they say, now are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They knew that the kingdom had to be restored to Israel. We should as well, but there's no knowledge of when that's going to come about no one who knows when this is going to happen verse 10 unto when O god the enemy he will will reproach and the implication is place reproach upon you O god and another word for an enemy different word but another word that speaks of an enemy that he will blaspheme your name forever when is this change coming? When are you going to destroy those who bring reproach upon your name and who blaspheme your name? They know it's going to come, but there's no evidence among this, this psalmist of when it's going to take place. Verse 11. Why? And again, all of this is addressed to God. Even though it doesn't say, why, O oh God, that's who Asaph is speaking in regard to why your hand, meaning the hand of God, you return even that right hand of God, why does it return? Why is it in the midst of, and this would be your your chest. It's that word we've spoken of before, chek, meaning that that chest, that inner part of one's cloak. So the idea here is with the hand of God, the activity of God takes place. So he says, why is it that you have, have returned your hand to your cloak? Meaning, there doesn't seem to be any activity. What does he want him to do? Well, how does this verse end? Look at the end of verse 11. The word khale, which is, to destroy. He says, don't basically return your hand to your cloak. But rather, use your authority, your power. That's the hand of the Lord for destruction to destroy the enemy to finish them off verse 12 and god and the psalmist is saying god who are you my king from from before meaning he hasn't changed he realizes that god is the same god yesterday today and forever god has not changed so he's my king from before The one who acts, and this is just that, a word of activity, a word of behavior. Poel, one who acts. And what does God act for? Yeshuot, meaning salvations, meaning abundant salvation. Now, we know the promise. Asaf is asking, when are we going to experience abundant salvation? Now, salvation is the term Yeshua. When it's in the plural, Yeshua, it has a kingdom context. It's that abundant salvation, that victory of of power that's going to be received when we enter into the kingdom of God. This is what Asaph is wanting. So he says, the one who acts for salvation in the midst of the earth. You're going to do it, God, but when? This is what he's asking for. Verse 13. You, you have, and this is a word, in modern Hebrew, the same word is used for breadcrumbs. So you have bread and you make it into crumbs. And this is what he's saying. You are, meaning the God, that, that crumbles. You crumble up the sea with your power. So usually the sea is seen as strong The waves keep coming, but God is greater than that. So look again, verse 13. You crumble, you have crumbled the sea with your power. And you have broken the heads of of these uh, sea creatures upon the water. And this is simply, it's the modern Hebrew word for like an alligator or crocodile, meaning that God triumphs what is fearful of men. God is able to equally, quickly destroy and break and render into nothing. He says in verse 14 something similar. You, and it's another word for for breaking into pieces, the heads of the Leviathan. Now, this is also a sea creature. Some say it's it's related to a, a whale. And he says, and you give it, this large sea creature, you give it. And the implication is for food for the people of the the desert, the wilderness. So God is bringing defeat upon something that is very powerful that man cannot not defeat. God brings him and is utilizing him for food for the one. And there's a big difference between the desert and the sea. And it's saying that God can feed the desert people the place that there's nothingness there, emptiness. He can feed them with the abundance of the sea. Verse 14, for you, you have split the spring and the river. You have dried up, you have dried up strong rivers. All of this is to show that God is able, that God can do what man cannot do verse 16 to you is day even to you is night and you have prepared light and the sun so god is in control of all things he is there ruling over the day he's there ruling over the night god is able to illuminate everything according to his purposes, according to his, his plan, his revelation, his illumination. He also says, you have established, The word means to set up, you have set up all the boundaries of, of earth. Also, summer and winter, you have created them. So God is a God of all space. And God is a God of all time so location and time God rules over everything and God is going to move we can be assured of that to bring things into a kingdom order this is what Asaph is pleading for this is what he wants God to do because only God can bring it about verse 18 remember this remember what? The reproach of the enemy, O Lord. So he's calling God to remember how the enemy has has placed reproach upon those things related to God. He continues, a foolish people who blaspheme, they have blasphemed your name. Again and again, what we see here is a people who are against the character of god now realize something there is that close relationship between the character of god and because his character is holy righteous and perfect and just and good who he is demands worship this is a vital thing that we remember god doesn't have to do anything to be worthy of worship now he does many many wonderful, perfect things. Obviously, whatever God does, it's perfect. It's right. It's holy. It's good. But God is worthy of worship because of his character, who he is. And we need to remember that. And that's why a foolish people, they blaspheme your name. Verse 19. Do not allow the the beasts. Some living beasts to do what? The implication is, do not give to some living beasts the the turtle dove, your turtle dove. Now, many scholars see the turtle dove as a reference to Israel, the Jewish people. And the beast is the enemy. So don't give your turtle dove, Israel, to the, the beast, that is, the one who, who is the prince of, of this age in a temporary sense. And then we see the, the beast of, of who? Of those who are, are afflicted ones, your, your poor ones. Do not forget them forever. So it's speaking here about Israel, but especially Israel in an afflicted, in a, a state of suffering, in a state of affliction. Don't forget them forever. But rather, now verse 20. Very important thing. And here again, Bible translates it differently. But, but let me just read it. It says in Hebrew, Habet labrit, not difficult Hebrew. It's a word to, to look, to gaze upon, to look at something with, with care, with significance. And he says, look, gaze upon the covenant for the dark places of the earth are full what does he mean he means here that the various places of the earth have become full of darkness they have become if you look carefully at the end of verse 20 they have become an oasis a a habitation of hamas of violence so in the present condition Asaf is looking, and he says, the earth is full of darkness, not the glory of God. It's the exact opposite of what the kingdom of God is going to be. And instead of being full of righteousness and justice, it's full of violence. And this word, Hamas, it's not alimut, which is normal violence. Violence, but with a purpose. This is violence without a purpose, violence for the sake of of violence. He says here, do not return the oppressed one in the state of being ashamed. So don't let the one who is oppressed be be brought back ashamed. And the poor and the destitute one, let this one or these ones praise your name. Meaning that the one who is least able because of of being in a very difficult uh, predicament being afflicted being poor being destitute he says let these praise your name rise up verse 22 rise up O god Reva rebecha two words the same word it's a word for for contention and what he's saying is contend for those things that you contend for those things that are important to you those things that you have promised these things that the prophets have revealed so many bibles might say plead your case it's a word of conflict go to war take a stand against those things that the enemy is doing remember once more this word remember your reproach from a foolish people all day long remember how these individuals wanted to place upon god and the people of god a reproach and then finally our last verse verse 23 do not forget the voice of your enemies what they say what they proclaim what they're about do not forget the voice of your enemies and the torment, that is that disturbance, it's the word sha'on, that disturbance of those who rise up against you. This disturbance, it goes up continuously, meaning there's no, no rest, no respite from the attacks of the enemy. It goes on and on, their, their noise, their, their activity. And what he says is, rise up against them. Be that God who destroys the enemy. For what purpose? Well, when we look at this psalm, and I'm looking at at the Hebrew Bible, and it's interesting what they entitled Psalm 74. It says here, my king, and it means my ancient king, the one from past, the same king today, tomorrow, and forever. My king from the past, he is active in bringing salvation, abundant salvation in the midst of the earth. That's what God is about. That's what God is going to do. And we need to be in agreement with that objective. Bringing abundant salvation is kingdom business. And let me close with this. Do you realize... The privilege that you have. Let me say it another way. Do you realize the wonderful opportunity that you have if you are a believer to participate in the things of God, to serve Him, to be about His purposes, submitting yourself to that? And when you're doing that, you're worshiping God, not just in word, that's important, but also in deed. So let me ask you this final question, and that is this. Are you participating in the things of God? Are you, like Asaph, this author of this psalm, that that feels that God has been silent too long? The time is at hand for God to rise up against those who have risen up against him, those who wage war against the things of God, his namesake, his character, and his places. God is going to move. And many times, God moves first among his people. That he gives us that great privilege of participating and doing his will upon this world. And that is, the foundation of that, is worshiping him. When you worship God, and that becomes an emphasis of your life, realize that is going to prepare you to serve God and carry out His will. Worshiping God is a great source of revelation. When you are committed to worshiping God, you are going to see things differently. You're going to have what this psalm is all about. Remember the name? Maskil. It's to give understanding, to make one successful. And when when you are worshiping God, There's nothing more successful than that being a worshiper of God in spirit and in truth. Until next time, shalom from Israel.
0: Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website